Hi, everyone, and welcome again to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics, the best comics, in my personal opinion. And with me, as always, and there's a tiny caveat to that, just one second, we'll get there, are Carrie and Darcy and Richard, who's here for the first time. Or what was that? Was that saying well, he, he's here again for the first time? I guess. Sure, <laughs> the first time every before. time. <laughs> so, yeah, the the first time for every time. The first time for the future. It, yep. Something? If you haven't noticed on our our socials and also on the website, um, yeah, Richard is now a, a permanent go- guest with us, which is very nice. So you won't have to hear my stuttering voice as much anymore. <laughs> Well, no, we're happy you accepted our... Thank you for having me. <laughs> we're happy you accepted the promposal, Richard. So thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Also, just really quick, just a little bit behind the scenes, how the sausage is made is made. We recorded this episode yesterday, <laughs> um, but we had some severe audio problems. Um, just so my severe audio problems. Let me take yeah. credit oh, for them. I'm not throwing any blame <laughs> anywhere. It's, it was just. I, I think it was more actually the the thing we were using. So we we actually went back to our trusted old uh, Zoom here, and we're gonna um, we're gonna re-record the show. Hopefully, we'll have the same thrills and spills as we did before. So uh, <laughs> just go ahead and bear with us. We actually have a kind of a big show going on so i should stop uh, rambling here um so why don't we hit our spotlights first we actually have only two spotlights uh, darcy do you want to go first i will um my spotlight this week is tim ginger by julian hanshaw it's a top shelf book um it's uh kind of this very mellow almost meditative meditative I don't think that's a word meditative I think that's probably the correct way to say that um uh I'm the I'm the person who uh mumbles here yeah it's something it's a word Uh, it's it's a story about a man who uh used to be a test pilot um who got in a terrible test pilot accident you learn And now he uh, lives in New Mexico in an RV, which is why I got the book initially, because I live in an RV, not New Mexico, but hey, covers I bought based on that. (laughs) Um, And he plays cricket with his friends and he's kind of a little bit maybe sad, but it's not too bad. You know, he's just kind of in mourning for his long dead wife now. But he's coming out of it because he's he's doing okay. He's doing all right. So he decides, you know what? I'm going to start going to conventions again because he's written this book about what it's like being a test pilot. Mm. Um, and he goes to these conventions and he's fairly popular with like the UFO crowd and like conspiracy theorists. Ufology. Um, yeah, with, <laughs> with UFO people. Um, and... Uh, he, he doesn't really agree with them or whatever, but he still goes because, you know, it's it's a place to get out and a place to do things. And he's getting yeah. a little bit better. And he runs into an old friend who used to be one of his um, support staff when he was a test pilot. And she um, she also writes books and she also attends those conventions to sell her stuff. And they have this like awkward kind of almost romance like she obviously likes him he obviously likes her but he's got this guilt 
caught up in in the death of his wife and he's not quite ready for it but they're there they're it's kind mm. of this will they won't they thing um and then they decide maybe they're going to meet up in the uk in another convention because that's where she lives and he's like you know what i'm gonna sell my rv and i'm gonna go and i'm just gonna stay with her and he's so awkward and it's so wonderful this like it's it sounds terrible like it wouldn't be wonderful but it is because he's just like this middle-aged man who's sad but he's trying really hard <laughs> he's trying really hard to be oh. in love and to move on but he, it's he's scared of it yeah um, and you find out these like two major things. Like, I, I think maybe if I were younger or something, I'd be like, oh, for, the, for goodness sake, just do it. Just go and do it. <laughs> um, but you, you definitely find out these two major things about halfway through and uh, near the end that are like, oh, okay, this is a bit more complicated than I thought. And at the end, you're like, okay, this is significantly more complicated than I thought. Um, it's a fantastic, really interesting, really different kind of sci-fi story and love story than I've read before. The art's really interesting. It's it's very flat, uh, but still very dynamic. It's got really good facial expressions. It's very emotive. And the coloring is very muted because uh, it's, it's got a lot of New Mexico in it. It's a lot of browns, a lot of like muted blues. It's, it's really interesting. I liked it a whole lot. Yeah, I like the color saturation on the uh, on the panels. How there's yeah. kind, of, kind of a color theme going through a few panels and then it changes. And um, I also do like, um, yeah, uh, I, there's a couple pages of a sample here on uh, on Google and uh, and yeah, there's some awkwardness going on there. I like, uh, I like it. There's so much awkwardness. I want to read it because you know. Brian and I have this discussion all the time of like, I make the half joke because I'm sort of serious when I'm like, if I die before you, you know, you can't move on. You need to mourn forever. <laughs> you know, um, I was like, fuck any woman after me. Like, that's not cool. Like you can't do oh. that. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you don't want me to do that. No, I don't want you to fuck any woman <laughs> after me. But like, oh, it's funny because like, I, you know, like I said, it's a half joke, but like <clears throat> when you really think about it, when you're in a committed relationship and you there's a, a depth of love there, you really thinking about not being together is the absolute worst shit. But you think about mm. it and you're like, yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, I just want my partner to be happy. Right. Whatever that entails, you want them to be happy. And mm. so I do feel like I, I like that kind of story because I I do think there's like a lot of guilt mm. in, in mm. a, in a relationship where you're like, oh man, do I, you know, is that something I should do? It's not even like a question of, can you, I mean, like right. that you want to, it's like, should you do it? You right. know? And it's, and I think that's what really gets a lot of people. And so I, I don't know. I, I think that kind I of story is really cool. I'd I like think you'd it. like it. And it's, it's got some, it's got some elements that aren't just you know like personal interpersonal elements that I think mm -hmm. would make it a little bit more dynamic but I'm not going into that because mm -hmm. that's like the Sorry. like the sci-fi <laughs> elements like that's that's a little bit more oh. plot heavy and that's like that's like the 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 twisty elements that make it more complicated oh, fun. and I don't want to give that away um so yeah I, I definitely think anybody I think people should read this I think yeah. it's really really cool I'm gonna um, give it a it's, go it's on comiXology unlimited I really suggest it 
Cool. Thank you. When, when I saw the name in the notes, I thought it was about a cat. And I'm happy that it's not about a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I really think it would make a good cat title <laughs> for, for like a children's book. Definitely. Okay. Well, I guess it's on to my choice, which is, um, well, I chose Newburn uh, issues one through three from Image Comics. I've actually been kind of waiting a little bit of time to have a chance to talk about this one because it's ever since the first issue is kind of has, has me hooked. Um, it's by Chip Zdarsky and uh, Jacob Phillips does the main story. Uh, there is a backup story there as well. Um, that's like the last four or five pages. It's a 30 page book um, comic. And so you definitely get what you're paid for. Um, and the uh, the back was done by uh, Nadia Shamas, uh, Zayed Yusuf Ayub, and Frank uh, Chet. Oh, excuse me, uh, Chepkovic. I apologize if I butchered those names. I tried my best, but if um, you know better, let me know, and I'll try better next time. Um, but <laughs> so um, now the main story, Newburn. Um, Jacob, just so you all know, too, in case you don't know, um, Jacob Phillips is actually um, artist Sean Phillips' son. Um, he had been doing a lot of inking for Jake, for Sean, um, but he's now kind of gone on off, branched off into his own. And he's um, he, he was he's now doing he's basically doing crime books, just like his dad. But um, he definitely has his own style and I really enjoy it. There's another book he does called That Texas Blood that I also kind of recommend here. But my main my actual recommendation is um, is New Burn. And this is your kind of modern noir classic detective story, except the, the kind of the big twist here is that this private detective works for the mob. And when I say the mob, I mean every mob. <laughs> like they, every single organized family <laughs> in this city uses Newburn, uh, our main character, um, as a detective in case if there's something that needs to be solved, someone stole something from someone, if someone was murdered, his, his job is basically to solve it and fix it. And uh, he was a former cop so he gets some assistance from some from the police as well, uh, because he also helps the police solve these crimes. Because if there's a murder, obviously they all, the police want to know too who uh, who gets uh, you know so they know who to arrest essentially. But um, so there's an Anisia alliance, obviously, because he's working for every single crime family. And um, however, he kind of has to he manages everything with a very you know, kind of cool and collected, your, your classic noir detective kind of Humphrey Bogart style. Um, he's also very rude and very abrupt, just like a, a classic noir detective. Um, the, the story, the first issue introduces a, a, a new perspective character who becomes his partner uh, to help, you know, based on almost kind of like a protege. And uh, this partner is, is a good, reliable narrator. Um, she has something up her sleeve as well. Um, that's probably what attracted Newborn to her, and we don't know what that is yet, but she definitely has her own agenda, and so we'll see what happens. And if that, if there's if there's something that you know occurs down the road, <laughs> that's not good for either of them. Uh, but uh, definitely recommend the artwork. Obviously, is great. Um, the backup stories. 
is actually another crime story. It's about a, a Middle Eastern family in the city um, that runs a runs like a cover shop, and um, and uh, amongst the family, uh, there's a few robberies that occur, and it turns out it's actually internally happening within the family, and so it's kind of a a nice crime family drama going on there as well, um, but from like a from like an immigrant perspective, so you know kind of a good classic crime story there as well so um definitely recommend um it's it's a lot of fun the third issue ends with kind of a um a major change in the status quo um, of newburn so um you know someone else decides that they want to hire him i'm not going to say who because it's kind of a big deal and so um yeah i'll uh, i'll leave it all to you it's definitely definitely recommend on my end here yeah, and no, I've been picking the, a new burn up, but I haven't been reading it yet. So I've definitely been looking forward to it. And you just sold it even much more for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. I love I love noir. Like that's like one of my favorite genres in general. And this is definitely like your modern noir. And I love I love um, main characters who are just like absolutely detestable and <laughs> newburn is definitely i think the more we learn about him the more detestable he's gonna get <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see definitely he definitely doesn't have people skills which is which is kind of fun too he's that's one of the reasons why he kind of has a protege right now because he does not know how to talk to people <laughs> so it's pretty good yeah i'm i'm a big fan of nadia so i'd be really interested in those backups the backups sound really interesting not that i don't like chip because yeah. I do, but Nadia Shamas, I'm a huge fan of, and I, you know, uh, I think Squire is coming up soon. I'm really excited to read that. Awesome. Um, yes, that's but right. this, but you know, just not enough stuff out there. She doesn't have quite yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely so not. Just um, absolutely anything. I'm here for. She has a Miss Marvel book coming out too, or did that already come out? Recently? Had yeah, already came out, and it's excellent. Actually, I have yeah. it. I knew that. <laughs> I, I, I remember. I, I was gonna say. I thought. I, I thought you had. Yeah, yeah that's funny. I just haven't read it yet. That's but uh, tragic. But, it's great. But yeah, I need to definitely read it. Um, no, uh, and and the thing is, is that what's great about it. It was like usually when you hear there's a backup in a book, it's like you're getting 23 pages and like the main story has been truncated to like 16 pages. Like this mm. is a this is a 30 page book. Um, so you're 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 basically getting that that extra story as a bonus. It's you're paying for the you're paying for Newburn, you're getting the the backup story as uh, you know, just for free essentially. Because cool. it's and it's, it's and it's and it's ongoing in all the stories, all the all the issues too, yeah, right? Yes. So far, yeah. This this the uh, cool. the backup is a continuing story as well. So we're getting two stories in one for four That's bucks. Awesome. Not bad in the complex these days. So, all right. Well, I think then it's time to move on to our main topic, which Richard chose for us since it is his inaugural episode slash return to glory of our show. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he kind of hit us with a doozy. <laughs> like, you're, 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 you're starting out big, Richard. We're uh, the blazing, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. So we're, um, and it's definitely been in the news lately. Uh, so it's great that we're talking about it. Uh, and it's uh, Mouse uh, Volume one and two it's it's pronounced mouse right or moss i, I i've been mouse. calling mouse yeah i, I always assume mouse yeah. m-a-u-s yeah 
and it's by um, Art Spiegelman, of course. And like I said, it was Richard's choice. So Richard, if you want to uh, take it away real quick and let us know uh, why you chose it, as well as kind of a quick synopsis, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I got you. Well, uh, I picked Mouse, you know, mostly because it's in the news of like the uh, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize uh, winning classic that's a apparently being banned in states for reasons that make no sense <laughs> but uh just on the front end i think we just need to start off that to say i, I i'm gonna go ahead and speak for the podcast um <laughs> nazis are bad the historical nazi the current iteration of the nazi anything nazism is bad if your ideology pertains to treating any group of people class of people race of people less than you're bad, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. unequivocally. And uh, if you read through Mouse, it uh, perfectly illustrates that for a n- number of reasons. Um, in the book uh, by Art Spiegelman, basically, you're getting the story of Art Spiegelman's father and uh, how he survived through World War II. He's a Polish man from, uh, or po- Polish Jew. And you see how he begins from uh, pre-war the ramp up as like you know his normal life pre-war in Poland and as the Nazis are ramping up things he gets conscripted into the Polish military he becomes a prisoner of war he escapes he gets sent to a ghetto and how he lives throughout that part up to the point that he gets sent to a concentration camp his relationship with he his wife his uh, son and just his family and friends at all through trying to maneuver and stay alive during a uh, this uh, Nazi occupied, uh, occupation of Poland and how they're moved around from concentration camp to concentration camp. It's a lot, <laughs> but it truly yeah. is a masterpiece. Like it, it, it earns all the kudos, the awards, the accolades. Like there's so many things as far as, uh, and we get a secondary story of the framing device of art actually going to interview his father and their interactions throughout the story. Um, the things that I really loved about the book is how honest it is. Um, I feel that Art Spiegelman depicts his father very honestly. Like there's not, uh, this isn't a Pollyanna version of this experience. You see warts and all, Art Spiegelman's father, Vladek, his, uh, Art Spiegelman himself. He doesn't try to paint himself in a favorable light. And you just see kind of a raw and very honest and gritty matter of fact take of, of that whole experience of world war ii and also art spiegelman dealing with a father who's dealt with the traumas of world war ii so yeah it's just a great book and i I mean (laughs) we're gonna get into it but i can't give it any i can't give it any more accolades than it's already been given because it's fantastic yeah and and that's one thing i i I like i was very happy to see you know i did read this when i was in high school but uh, you know it's been a long time since i've read it that this is (laughs) this is a this is a good book and like it's not just you know if you take away what the necessity to read it like because of the historical value of it and the you know and also the political value of it as well uh, it's just a great story it's it's narrated right well. it's it's yeah it's entertaining it's heavy. like it stands on its merits as a good comic book even though of the yeah. heaviness and the uh, importance of the subject matter if you're just like hey you want to read a good comic book and you handed somebody mouse they'd be like oh that was that was good now, i don't know if they're going to say it was a delightful experience because yeah. a lot of it's yeah. very rough but the it, the quality shines through <laughs> exactly it's yeah it's you know it 
to compare to to another medium, but obviously kind of the same subject. It's kind of like Schindler's List. You know, it's like it's still a great movie, even if you take out the Holocaust part of it. You know, and the reasons yeah. why we're watching it. You know, like it's it's still it's just fantastic. Period. So, like one, I just want to touch on really quick. Brian first read this book 25 years ago. <laughs> Let that sink in. I was a, a quarter of a century I ago. I was a sophomore in high school. So, um, 1997. But uh, we're so old. Again, that All date hurts so bad. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So like at least not... at least I was in the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> so like this I won't speak for him cuz obviously we didn't we didn't know each other back then, but I will say this as woman of color who frequently goes to that area where he's from because his high school is like two miles from where he grew up from where he lives or his family lives um but like it's shocking to me that they had a copy of mouse because if you knew the tokenism of this very upper like um socioeconomical area of like oh you know we have four black students and we bust them in and they all play on the football team because they're all really good just that or you know we have like yeah. five Laotian students and they all play ba- basketball because they're really good it's just this bullshit tokenism that's in that area mm-hmm. and so I I under you know and we discussed this kind of yesterday is like like I'm, I read it for the first time this particular time. Brian's rereading it this many years later. Richard, you were reading it for the first time? Yeah, I was reading it for the first time. And Darcy was rereading it as an adult, but you read it, you, you were younger when you read it, right, Darcy? I was 19. Yeah. So it's, it hits differently when you're an adult and you're not, and your frontal lobe has completely formed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, with being topical with the way that it's a a book that's being <laughs> blows my fucking mind like mm-hmm. i understand kind of especially because we again like recorded this yesterday and i've had time to kind of think on it i understand why maybe we didn't read it as kids i don't think it's not that it's not an excellent book. It's not that it's not an important book because I feel that it's very, very important to read. Um, I just don't think that it was something that school districts would have found appropriate, quote unquote, um, necessary, quote unquote. I, you know, I, I'm not surprised that at the ages that we're reading this at so um and the fact that this book is still being threatened because of content or use of language or whatever um I will always be on my as someone who's in education as a historian I will always be on my high horse about like how crucial it is one for literacy and two to encourage literacy and three, to read th- stories from other people that you may not know. And it's just so vital that we read this book. And I, if my godchildren are listening, you're getting a fucking copy for Christmas. <laughs> like, it's so important. 
and it'll be a test on New Year's. <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> I I can't stress that enough. Um, how I feel about certain characters, how I interpret certain characters is is a different conversation, and we'll get into that. But as far as the book, for me personally, as far as the book is concerned, I I think it's just it's critical that we read it um, and that we revisit it and that we talk about it because again it's a topical thing because of what's going on currently but it's the and we've talked about this before like the older we get and we're not I tease Brian but we're not like that old we're not like 80 like living holocaust survivors living world war ii vets those people who went through shit they're all dying off And so that mm-hmm. that part of oral history, we're losing it as a society. So maybe that's why, um, you know, the Iron Cross or the swastika is funny to people because there's not someone who's physically alive going, yeah. giving a lecture series at their schools saying like, I went through Auschwitz. I went through this. I, you know, whatever. Like if we're losing that ability, then we... Gen- younger generations now lose the connection between what these images of hate m- truly mean and what they meant for the people that survived that era that they were like inaugurated. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it was more available to us when we were younger, is because. Um, uh, I can't remember how you phrased it a little bit ago, but the fact that it was, I, I'm, I'm of two minds of this. Uh, we weren't really assigned mouse in school because it wasn't popular to read graphic novels in schools mm, when true. we were kids. So it, it's very few people probably were assigned to read mouse in schools because that was back in the day when uh, graphic novels weren't, literature like that's not reading right Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we were assigned far more holocaust literature like it was not at all seen as something to ban or something to hide Mm -hmm. from kids um whereas today it is something that people are like I don't know, almost protecting children from like, oh, we can't show them images from the Holocaust. Oh, we can't let them know this information. And I very clearly remember even really, really early in school, as early as in elementary school, seeing images of um, Auschwitz, seeing images of the Holocaust, because Mm -hmm. it was something we were being informed of, because most likely we had living survivors who were pushing for things mm-hmm. like that so that it would not happen again. Mm-hmm. The further and further out we get from that, mm-hmm. the less push there is from that. And I would say you've got, um, again, this is something I think we've mentioned before. It's, it's the same sort of thing you get for any sort of big dramatic event. Um, 9-11 kind of got the same thing the closer it is to an event the more impact it's going to have the further out the less impact it's going to have so this is just you know there are fewer survivors alive the less impact it's going to have the more people just kind of want to forget it 
Um, and so you've got, uh, there was always Holocaust denial. There was Holocaust denialism like immediately after even, um, because what it showed in the book, like as soon as the Nazis started to leave, they had, um, the prisoners start dismantling Auschwitz Mm -hmm. so that they could try to hide what happened. Um, I was going to say there was a Holocaust denial during. Because exactly. people read the paper, you know, read exactly. about it. Like, oh, that can't be real. <laughs> yeah. And, and they actively yeah. encouraged it. But that's why, you know, like during the International Criminal Court, during the, the trials, they actually, trials. Dur- during, the Nuremberg, during the Nuremberg trials, they aired footage of the liberations so that people could see how terrible it was. Okay. You know, like mm-hmm. if, if you don't show those things, how are people going to know? So if people don't read stuff like Mouse, mm-hmm. that that are, like Richard said, that's honest, yeah. that doesn't, you know, like m- m- make saints of, of the characters, that doesn't make clean the situation, uh, how are we going to remember what happened and remembered it remember it honestly we're just going to forget we're just going to paint over it which is what we're doing now mm-hmm. unfortunately a little, little whitewashing <sighs> a lot of whitewashing we were discussing this the first time i was saying that because the uh the high school that i went to basically there's a uh, an affluent community nearby it's actually it was developed in the 70s by a uh, Jewish man. So it's a very big Jewish community. And the school that I went to the first year, I went there, it was the first year it opened. And it was mostly built because they didn't they didn't want the, the affluent kids to have to go to school in the, uh, the poor black school anymore. That was the nearest school by the district. So at the time when we were discussing this last time, I was thinking to myself, oh, it's surprising that we never read Mouse. But in retrospect, one, yes, like the attitude towards graphic novels has changed. Mm-hmm. But in lieu of reading Mouse, you know what we did? You would just have somebody, a World War vet, yeah. come speak to your class. You would yeah. have you would have a survivor for the Holocaust speak to your class. I, and then like as we're as I'm thinking about it more, when I was in middle school, we performed the diary of Anne Frank as a play. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Like there were, you know what I'm saying? We, of course, there was, like you said, there was always Holocaust deniers. And, you know, there's always going to be some variant of like dark conspiracy theorists. But there were so many primary sources, people that experienced it, that like maybe at the time, since I guess we're olds at this point, there was no need for us to necessarily read Mouse because here, here's the information. Here's someone that's lived it. So now that there are, people are actively trying to ban this book, it's so much more important that like, no, it has to be front and center because we're losing those people. Exactly. Like somebody has to, um, you know, we've got to put, like you said, put these, these issues in this book front and center. Um, and, and this, you know, we talk about this book. This book isn't the only one being banned, like gender queer is being banned and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um it's, it's important to book, put books like this front and center because, you know, we can't forget issues like this. Yeah, gender queer is really Not good. Not at all. Um, gender queer but, is really good. Yeah. Um, that might be a future topic soon, very soon. Um, <laughs> no, um, one, I guess- one, one, I think there's irony 
that about banning the books and like because you know essentially what we're saying is like you, know, you forget if you forget the history you know it's you know then then you're doing to repeat it not to use that cliche but that's kind of basically what it is and that's why we want to learn about this and and what did the nazis do what did, what do fascists do they ban books they burn books so they they, they suppress information yeah and exactly what, what what's happening they're suppressing information i mean come on you know like it, it, the it's reason, almost a bit too on the nose right exactly the reason why we should read this is because what you're doing is wrong you know it's like or force people into that same box force people to look and feel and act and be the same yeah you know and that's what they're trying to to put people with with by not allowing people to read and have these experiences and exposures to these viewpoints exactly and trying to make them into all these look-alike cats yeah absolutely and yeah and the the th- thing is, too, is, I mean, and like, unfortunately, our, it seems our school system and our agenda is, is apt to do stuff like that. Because, I mean, we, I, I, I went through, I, I, I went through college history major, went through high school, you know, loving history. Carrie also, you know, she's in college with, with going through history as well. We didn't know about like the, the Toledo massacre until like it was on Washington. Yeah, you mean Tulsa. Tulsa, thank you. Yeah. Tulsa Massacre. I was about to say. Sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, was, I, I was about to ask. I, I moved to North. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, just just with, aside, but yeah, like I, that was never taught to me. Like I yeah. learned about mm-hmm. it prior to Watchmen, but I definitely learned it like, you know, like maybe it was like stuff you should know or a podcast like that, but it was in no book that I'd ever re- um, read. And then, like, even in Florida, there's a similar thing in uh, Rosewood, Florida, which is yes. further further up north to me. Mm-hmm. And I never heard of that until I think maybe Kanye West started talking about it a decade ago, you know, before he went completely yeah. off the rails. But <laughs> I shouldn't be getting my historical context from Kanye West. Like, I went <laughs> no. to school. You really shouldn't, no. <laughs> but, you know, but, I mean, no, whatever decide, way like, it works. About, yeah, yeah. But, like, we don't even have to get to... Kanye's unhingedness now, but just generally, no. like some recording artist shouldn't be the person that's informing me of like massacres in Black history or any no. history for that matter. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, if that's the way you get it, that's the you know, right, right. No, yeah, exactly. Get the information how you can, but it's yeah, a dereliction of duty of our school system. Yes. Yeah, it exactly. absolutely yeah. is. And so <laughs> that that that's where I get my information from. Well, There's... I this is going to sound silly, but where I get a lot of things like historical things that I don't um that I don't like learn about like in a normal like you know educational setting is I read BuzzFeed news articles (laughs) and if anyone ever says that they don't have a top-notch journalism squad then they're sorely have great investigative reporting they they do their due diligence it's thoroughly you know vetted they um in fact there's a huge scan i mean this is really quick but like a huge scandal where they were doing things about the tulsa um oklahoma you know ra- uh race massacre and race riots and then they did a, a whole report on them that on that that's how i learned about it washington post actually took credit for their articles and re- reposted them in the washington post 
and not gave and didn't give them credit wow. and, Buzz, and buzzfeed i mean again it's just if you need information sometimes that's the best unbiased news source that i've found and that's how i learned about tulsa and then it got really big and then podcasts were covering tulsa mm-hmm. and then my father god bless him he was like mija have you ever heard about this and when it gets to someone like my dad who's very traditional, who has a mindset that I may not always agree with. And he's disgusted and he's shocked that he's never heard about it. Then I know that as a society, we're doing something incorrectly in the foundations of our schools. And we, we need to be able to share the information and like teach people about it because yeah, we may, unfortunately we're humans and humans are fucked and things like that, you know, until you get to the bottom of it, racism will always exist and um, bigotry will always exist. But like people aren't afraid of the information. They want to know. And then they're pissed when they find out that they should have known or they could have known it earlier. Mm -hmm. So with something like mouse, it's like, yeah, we should, everyone should be learning about the Holocaust. Like, in its thoroughness you know like Darcy had mentioned seeing pictures of Auschwitz like when we were little and um where I live or where I live like we live separately where we live we're about 45 minutes north of LA so a big thing my school did in the seventh grade was we went to the Museum of Tolerance which is a huge like anti-hate crime museum and um it's by the Getty it's really cool so like we went there and it's at that time it was mostly about the holocaust so you would get assigned a person you get a little bookmark with that person's name and you'd follow their journey from pre-war whatever part of europe to through the war and to the liberation days so because we were school children they assigned us jewish kids and I remember I got a little boy and my little boy was one of like, was, was on one of those trains to Auschwitz and he died. And I oh. was heartbroken. That's and devastating I, to do to a child. When yeah, I no learned kidding. that mine had died because again, it was brilliant because you become, it's a relatable thing. He was 12. You're around 12. You know, this is what his family had to do to survive you live in California, you know? So it's like you, you get put in literally like, I shouldn't say literally, you get put in their shoes figuratively and you walk, you know, quote unquote, like their journey through the museum. And I remember my classmates were thrilled when their person survived. Like if their person was able to be reunited with their families after liberation, they were stoked. And it, it was just a really interesting teaching tool. And I really always appreciated that because seventh grade was when we got hit with the diary of Anne Frank and my t- English teacher, you know, she's, she was murdered like by her husband. So God rest her soul. But like, she actually, she was, she was Jewish. So she took a really, she took extra care with us when we were learning all this material and she really wanted us to learn it because she was a descendant of all that. And so mm-hmm. it was just, it just, 
it was just so much it was very impactful and I think and I, again since we're re-recording this and I had time to think on it I think that's why some of the stuff that we were talking about yesterday and I was super emotional I think that's why I get really emotional about the holocaust I'm not Jewish you know uh, my family hasn't been through quite such a trauma as you know the holocaust but like I understand uh, uh, to a point like I I don't know. I, I just, I, I feel like I, I get the message. And so because I feel like I get the message and because I find it infuriating that there are other people like that asshole at the AMPM who had the, high, the iron cross tattooed on his leg, when there's people like him who are living and breathing and in society and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, dude, do you even fucking understand what that insignia means that's on your dumb calf? Like, dude, you can't. You shouldn't have that. Like a, a, a sensible human being wouldn't think, wouldn't think the Confederate flag is just a flag. Wouldn't think the swastika, oh, that was that was originally a Native American symbol, blah, 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 blah. It means friendship. Like fuck off. Fuck all the way off because you don't get it. Mm-hmm. You don't understand where all this is coming from. And it's just, I, I think that's where all like the emotion comes from, is just because I I had a teacher who was Jewish who really we read it we read we read so much that year and it was transformative for me as a kid you know and it's just like rereading about it rereading it in this format about the holocaust like just fucked me up yes like when we talked about it because it was just like wow that's it's it's hitting me and I mean I wish she were still alive so I could contact her and be like I get it all these years now I really get it so that yeah. yeah that makes sense and that sounds like a really good teaching tool the the what they did at the museum yes highly yeah, recommend I mean, if you're ever in california and i mean so much about racism and bigotry it's you know it's from ignorance like that's where it stems from so having accounts like mouse like the reason why you don't ban books the reason why you want to make this information readily available is so that you don't have a racist bigoted society mm-hmm. you know so much of these bad attitudes are you know of course there's a lot of malevolence to it too but like the way that you 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 uh indoctrinate people is to through ignorance and misinformation so like you want these primary sources this good information out there so you do not have a bigoted racist you know just terrible society yeah yeah exactly you don't want people thinking for themselves you know, and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, there's some people who don't want people. Wait, what? There, there's there's people out there. I'm sorry. When I said when I said you, I meant like like the people who are out there that want to suppress this stuff. They don't want people thinking for themselves. They want right. They want their agenda to be obeyed without any question. Mouse, the aesthetic choices as we're getting into it. Yes. Mouse itself, it's a uh, two books, two graphic novels. It's a uh, Mouse One, a survivor's tale. My father bleeds history. And Mouse 2, which is called, uh, and here here my troubles began. And just the book itself, the way that it's framed, the, the aesthetic choices. Like, I love that basically you have the main plot of the story, which is uh, Vladek, who's Art Spiegelman's father, Vladek Spiegelman, his experience living through that whole World War II. And then you have the framing device of, you know, hit, uh, the at the moment, the present time, which when this was being researched and written, it was the late 70s, I guess, early 80s, uh, Art going to interview his father and get this information out of him. 
but just with the uh the artistic choices the jewish people are mice the uh nazis are cats the polish people the polish non-jews are uh pigs americans are dogs and if you do meet a uh a French, a French person, they are a frog, which I don't yeah, know if that would That's fly. a little. <laughs> <laughs> a French, a French non-converted person. Yeah, a, a French non-converted person there, is a frog. Because his like a, wife is, a, is converted. Is French, but she converted to Judaism. Oh. She appears as a mouse. She's a mouse now. And, um, um, but, and like, um, so, and when he writes the book and, and when it's actually narrated, since it's being narrated by his father, it's in his father's, like, you know, broken English, accented English as a uh, fifth language, fourth, fifth language dialect, which I feel like gives a lot of texture to the reading. It's like, it feels very, everything about this feels very lived in. Like everything is very three-dimensional, but just little things like that with the, uh, like the father's accented English, like it just makes it feel like a realer experience as well. One another nice touch is that there are certain aspects in the book where, um, Vladic or other people or attempt or or passing rather as Polish non-Jews. So then they are mice with a pig mask on their face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, Which I thought was a cute little touch. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Because you know, you have to make make an excuse of how someone's not recognized immediately as Jewish or non-Jewish if they right. are portrayed as a mouse. So yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought that was that was pretty clever to have had the masks on. And then those masks later in the second volume when Spiegelman's kind of questioning himself and he's wearing a mask as a mouse. Right. Right, right, right. Where where he's kind of a human, but he's wearing his mouse mask because he, you know, he feels conflicted between the success of the first book and just everything that's on his plate you know with this project that he's decided to dive you know dive into because he's breaking the fourth wall because he's speaking yeah. as the cartoonist not as the character right mm -hmm. the character exactly yeah so and but uh yeah the the usage of of the mice and 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 like the cats I and mean, like you know it softens the blow but at the same time what I kind of like about it is that all the mice essentially look the same. They're, um, you know, you can kind of tell who's who by cult, like by their clothing sometimes, but more or less everyone kind of looks the same, same with the cats. And it's, so it's kind of like a, like if this happens to one, it's happening to all kind of thing mm -hmm. where it, it kind of helps progress the story where like, you know, cause like it's easy to, it's like, be like oh like Vladik Spiegelman had a really tough time during the Holocaust and like too bad for him but no this is a the the Jewish people had a hard time during the Holocaust you know let's let, let's uh mourn them and 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 try not to have this happen again you know and and then like um I, you, we, you know this is something we had mentioned yesterday as well but um about the cats all the Nazis look exactly the same until the very end there was a a german uh, darcy you were you were you were talking about this right they there was a there was a german woman who who was hiding their uh their jewish in Nurem, yeah in nuremberg a german woman had married a jewish man and she had hit him for the duration of the war and she had stripes she was yeah. a striped cat um, 
she she doesn't look like the rest of them, which I, I think that's you know that's kind of a subtle thing right there, but it's it definitely hammers it home, you know, like to all what happens to it, all. To, it it might have been just because you could see more of her fur. Maybe they all kind of look like that, but they were just in uniform. I'm not sure, but you could see more of her. There was more detail, definitely. Yeah. Um, also, Vladik horribly horribly flawed person especially in his older age in his, in, in his older age um but i but you know he's still a great person he's still a good person down down home but i love how you know like richard was saying there's no there's no censorship there's no there's no cleaning up um Vladek, there's no cleaning up art himself you know like like there these are these are flawed people people are flawed you know just beings and that helps not make us think that we're talking about non-humans here like the fact that um that that vladic has flaws reminds us that these are humans and this has happened to humans it's not these didn't happen to characters in a story these didn't happen to statues or action figures this has happened to real people so yeah no um Vladik's a dick yeah. uh, <laughs> like not to sugarcoat it yeah he's just a dick he's a hard person to deal with you're you're when you're seeing the uh framing device in the uh present time you see Vladik his interactions with Artie uh you, his uh interactions with his second wife Mala and just his just his his whole way of being he's just kind of a jerk and I mean like you said it shows the humanity of them because yes, even jerks, like their humanity needs to be protected one, but two, it shows that like, oh, this is what happens to people. Like could Vladik have been a jerk, jerk regardless of the Holocaust? Uh, pa- possibly and potentially shoot, maybe even likely, but yeah. yeah, trauma does things to people. Like look, look at how this person came out the other side. And I mean, you see some other survivors of the book that didn't come out the same way. But when you read the book and you see all of the circumstances that uh, Vladik goes through, you're like, oh, like, I understand why this is a, uh, a t- t- tough, but tough's not the word I'm looking for. This is just a, like a, a sharp person. Like, this is someone who, who, who is a, a little bit hard to connect with, you know, father to son, because he's been through all sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> yeah. It definitely, definitely oh sorry go ahead it, it definitely like condensed a lot of things about him as a person i think you know speculating about a real human being uh i, I think there's a lot of him that probably would have been annoying regardless i mean right given given when he was born and the affluence he lived in you know people like that are a little bit of annoying uh mm-hmm. men born in the 1920s who are rich you gonna be a little bit annoying and but a lot of what he became are like really condensed things that came out of that trauma like you talk about the one of those things that really kept annoying art the fact that he saved absolutely everything how he hoarded mm-hmm. um you know that was very much based on he he learned how to how important that was in the camps how important that had to be you know that that he was so clever with that 
that was always part of his nature. Like none of the rest of his family was as good as that. He said it over and over, like his, his father-in-law and his brothers-in-law, they, they weren't as good as that as him. That's why he was holding back money from them. Anytime he made money because he knew how to save and they didn't. And that's and to him, it life. was kind of like a survival t- technique, right, Darcy? Because he's just like, oh, I'm going to hold this because I could save it for later. Like, if I eat all this bread now, I will be starving later. So I will save some of this bread. So exactly. I feel like part of his hoarding was like, yes, everything that's has use for it. it if I don't have use for it now, I could use it later, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it, it got on Art's nerves, and I can understand why it would. Hoarding from people who, like, it, it can be frustrating, I, I had to clean out, I, I, I've had to, you know, I'm sure everybody's had to clean out somebody who's passed away and gone, good Lord, why do they have all this stuff? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it can be very frustrating. Um, but that was part of his nature before. It wasn't part of some of the other people's nature who he knew and who he grew up with. And they died and he didn't. So it literally saved his life. Mm -hmm. And and to him, it validated the behavior. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It just, it just, it, that's in his head probably is why he survived as the way he is and so Absolutely. he's gonna keep on doing it because he wants to survive as long as possible mm-hmm. even if it even if it got on Art's nerves yeah <laughs> and, and 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 mala's nerves who was one of my favorite characters and i i thought the biggest weakness in the book was that mala wasn't given more time because she was a survivor she was in the house art had access to her i would have liked to have gotten more of her story since he didn't have his mother's um he he kept looking there's this whole undercurrent of uh him trying to get access to his mother's diaries he knew the whole time that his mother who has already passed away he's got his father's story that he's getting the whole time his mother's passed away he learns that his mother has wrote diaries during the time she was in the camps but of course she lost those, um, but that she tried to re-record after she escaped. Um, but he finds out later that his father burned them. So he couldn't have gotten his mother's accounts, but Mala, his stepmother never calls her that, but essentially his father's second wife. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right. Cause he's an adult. I think when they remarry, he's so. an, yes, his father's second wife, um she she was in not the exact same camp she was also in Auschwitz she was adjacent to his mother she wouldn't have had the same experience obviously but she would have had an adjacent experience it would have been interesting to me to have some of that story I know it wasn't about her that's not the point but it would have just been nice to see something of her in it I thought and I think that was something from me reading it from an adult perspective versus I, I don't remember caring about Malo when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but coming at it now, I just kept going, what happened to her? And especially at the end, what happened to her? You know, she just disappears. And I, I just kept being really sad about it. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you that I think her story would have added to it. But I don't think that would have, I don't think that was the point. 
I think the yeah. point. I think no, the point I know was it's the like the emotional journey between Art and his dad. And I know how, it's not the point, yeah. but I just Maybe think it's sad yeah. that we didn't. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. At least something, you know, a little, a little something from, from her would have kind of because because we're comparing and contrasting Vladek with other survivors throughout the book, we're, like you know, with 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 our Spiegelman's psychiatrist, with um, with um, Mala and everybody, and like you know, we're we're seeing what's similar between him and and uh, and the other Holocaust survivors um, in the modern times. So it would have you know. Um, it, you know, I think hearing about Mala's experience in, you know, in, in, during that time, you could also compare and contrast, um, you know, Vladek with somebody else. Because whenever you hear about someone else's experiences, it's coming from the mouth of Vladek. So you're getting that skew, you know, no matter how truthful he's being, he's still, you know, it's still not a primary source. Yeah, but I, I think the reason that we end up comparing and contrasting Vladek to in particular the um the character or, i'm sorry not the character the person that's the, the therapist to art is because vladic is broken therefore art is broken mm-hmm. and we need to see how art interacts with older male role models and so it's very mm-hmm. easy to do that compare and contrasting between vladic and the therapist because those are two older adult role models in his life that went through the same shit and we do the literal Vladek turned out a therapist turned out b but i don't think that that's like i think we're doing it just as like we see it i I almost want to say like as a literary device like oh look at this and we're that's how we're kind of analyzing it but i think at the end of the day that art is just as broken as his dad And I think maybe that's one of, because again, due to the honesty and like the raw, like, dare I say, brutality of the book, like art could have very much invented a story regarding Mala or even more dialogue with Mala and nobody would have been the wiser. He's showing that he didn't care about her in the slightest regard Mm -hmm. to get her, to even get her, her side of the story. Because like that one panel, he she talks about how they were friend adjacent. They were na- they were ghetto and neighborhood adjacent. And she makes the comment, we didn't turn out like your dad. We didn't turn out like Vladek. A lot of us went through this together and we're not assholes, essentially. So like mm-hmm. he could have made that more in depth. He could have added more of those kitchen time talks and none, no reader would have ever called him out on it. Because I'm sure I'm sure Mala's dead by now too. So like, well, I the, mean, I, I she was definitely alive. Like she's he thanks her in the uh, like. Oh, okay. I didn't read. So I, didn't I think she was definitely alive. Like when the projects were being released. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure at this point. But you know, I, this is 30 years yeah. ago, so I'm sure she probably most likely no longer with us. Yeah. But but I I guess my point being is that like. I think in showing the honesty of it, he also shows his own disregard for her. And we have to take that. You know, we I have mean, to, yeah. Also, I mean, I don't think, I we don't know, because I don't want to say that he doesn't care about Bob, but also she's the woman that his uh, 
he his father married as an adult like I don't know the nature of their relationship like if anyone that's been in that circumstance this is not someone like he probably shared a home with or whatever for sure so So you're just like like, not into it yeah it's just like yeah this is my dad's second wife like but he he's definitely broken and he I think the epitomist of the project is one it's fascinating and to you know give a nice historical document of the Holocaust and that experience, but also he's working through his, you know, whole feelings and, you know, resentments and whatever he has going on with his father. So I don't feel like it's too weird that it's a focus square on his dad because that's what he's working through. Like that's the, the I don't know how old he was when he started writing this uh, book and drawing it, but like that's the baggage he's bringing with him. So like, I wasn't, sur- I, it'd be nice to get more Mala, but I wasn't surprised that we didn't get more Mala because that wasn't the, the object of the exercise. Yes. But quick, quick math in my head. I think he was born in 48. So when he started writing in 78, so he was a uh, 30 at that time so yeah so he's definitely a well-established adult by the time were you a well-established adult at 30 i was i was married for five years already i mean oh yeah also 30 in 1978 8 30 and uh yeah yeah no you're absolutely right like i mean just little things that like i think i think when i was 30 which was about eight years ago they had established a law that you could still be under your parents insurance like it's just a different world (laughs) but like you know not at 30 till 26 right oh i was on until 30 did they change it to 30 they did i believe so well hot damn good for them yeah good right but like you know i'm saying so 30 then ain't 30 now but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just I, i the the focus like on the story with is that I was just like oh yeah this is somebody who's working through some stuff and mm-hmm. then you even get the the confirmation when he's talking to his psychiatrist because he's still working through some stuff yeah there's um that that was definitely the difference between me reading it in high school than reading it now was that um now I've there I I feel almost as much emotion towards the 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 plot of of you know being an adult and dealing with an adult parent you know as much as as reading about the holocaust you know because mm-hmm. um i mean obviously the holocaust is as much it's much more crucial much more worse than 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 you know the parental relationship but you know that that parental relationship is something that's very personal and that everyone will go through probably in their lives you know right <laughs> We we're most hopefully knock on wood most likely not going hopefully. through anything like the Holocaust. No, but uh, <laughs> we, we his dealings with his father speak to 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 me very like very directly. Like most, I yeah. have a mother who you know who who is an immigrant who has you know different sensibilities from me who grew up here in the states who basically we might grade, you know, we love each other, but we may grade on each other. We may disagree and just try to have patience or the times that you are short with that parent and you immediately regret it because at the end of the day, that's your parent and you love them and you don't want to be short with them. But like, it's, they try your patience and it's hard to, 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 to uh, reconcile when someone just being them, their normal selves tries their patience because Vladik is not trying to frustrate art. He's not trying to hurt art. He's literally just existing. It's just the fashion with which he exists. 
he's such kind of a jerk and he has these it, um odd idiosyncrasies that it yeah. just grates on art and exactly. they're from and such totally different like it. literally different worlds yes yes and it's also art's refusal to become a caretaker because you know like most adult you know, if your parents live to your to your adulthood, you know, like you you go from being taken care of to becoming a caretaker essentially. I mean, like as well. Speaking from ex- like personal experience, and also talking to other like, especially like women of color who are like one of two daughters or the only daughter, like, and in fact, I just had this discussion today at work. Like, it's very we have multi, a lot of minority families have multi-generational households like the the care of an elderly parent like without question lands on a child yeah. most times it lands on the daughter or daughters so like i'm i see vladik in a completely different light than i think like everyone else sees them like I'm a lot more like forgiving of his like asshole nature because to me I see it as like I'm so glad I'm getting through this without crying like I'm like I see him as like oh I can't do these things I once did I'm still gonna try to do them and that's Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the frustration I think as adult children comes from like for art like like that very poignant scene where he's like his dad's on the roof trying to fix the pipe or whatever and he's like he has all the money like he can just hire someone but for a lot of men like you don't take away oh my god our dog just literally went under our bed um sorry that was very (laughs) distracting so um and he's like stuck there now um so like when a lot for a lot of people it's very hard to like take that away because if you take away their ability to like perform household chores like taking care of you know a leaky pipe or you know changing light bulbs or you know rewiring something you strip them of their like manliness of their ability to be a provider for their family and I mean, I have seen that in my day to day and it's very difficult to watch that as an adult child. Cause you're like, shit, there is nothing. You are 150% powerless in that situation. Mm-hmm. So when I see Vladek interact with art and they have an art gets pissed and he yells at his dad and he gets frustrated with them or they don't talk and, you know, like, like Vladik says, ah, I'm going to go call someone else. I'm going to go do this. I, I get, I see that in a, I see, I see that as Vladik reaching out to his kid. Like again, a broken old ass man who doesn't know how to show affection properly to his child. That's like the one thing he can grasp at because he, yeah, no, yeah. they, they, the two of them, they don't get along, but you, you, can always feel the love there like you could especially from Vladik as flawed as he may be you could always feel that he loves his son but mm-hmm. <laughs> but they they 
they don't speak the same exact language. And it's no, hard for them to No, because he's always reaching out. Yeah, he, but he's always reaching out. He's always pleased to see him. He always wants more time with Hart. Mm-hmm. He but, takes a heart attack to, to talk to him. Yeah. You know? No, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that he, he's like, yeah, if I didn't do that, you wouldn't come. You, you, mm-hmm. you exactly. like, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just a very broad experience, but it's like an experience, again, like Brian was stating, a lot of that maybe speaks more directly to us because we're more at that age, we're getting older parents and it's the experience that we're going to be confronted with the way that we're, again, knock on wood, God willing, never confronted with anything like the Holocaust in our yeah. lifetime. Mm-hmm. But yeah, throughout the book itself, I mean, I don't think we've delved into, you know, the Holocaust part much. No. We so so Vladik, at the beginning of the book, he's like a young, industrious man. He's very... Uh, He's a, for lack of better term, is a hustler. He's always on his grind. He's always trying to put himself in a better position. And when we begin with the story, uh, he he's dating someone else, but he meets uh, Art's mother Anya, and he is completely head over heels in love with Anya. Like that's one thing for someone that we've just spent however much time talking about a jerk. He, how much of a jerk he is he is madly in love with his first wife and i think that's part yeah. of the reason why his relationship with the second wife mala is so fraught because he's never over that heartbreak of anya's death and anya actually takes her own life i don't think we mentioned that which you know yeah, one more reason why maybe we would have art really wants those uh diaries of his mother that his father destroys because just a peek in the window because the thing to survive the holocaust to survive all that and then you know still be in that position where you you take your own life you know i can't question it but like it's almost as though what was all that you know all that you fought through what was it for for it to end that way i'm sure i would imagine that's why art was so you know intensely wanting those those diaries of his mother because i i mean on top of a suicide always leaving a hold it just you know with the circumstances that she went through it you know i'm sure it it would help to get that closure yes absolutely Mm -hmm. and how do you think if if the the diaries were there and and he and he added the diaries to the story obviously there'd be an extra volume here besides that how do how do you think that would change the book you know as it's in itself i mean i don't think it's so much changed the book it just gives you that extra perspective maybe more something akin to what darcy was talking about with molly but i don't think it changes much of anything it just gives you a different viewpoint yeah because we're getting everything from vladik's viewpoint and and, you know, like we said, it's a very honest portrayal. Like, you see things that are done, people are betrayed. Like, Vladik does a lot when he's ghettoized in the ghettos and when he's in the concentration camps. He does stuff to get ahead. He's not particularly trying to screw over anybody else, but it's a survival game. And he's just like, yeah, it's me above everybody else. Like there's a point in time where he's able to get, you know, because of a position that he earns in the concentration camp, he gets more food and he sneaks it to Anya. And then Anya, I think in a letter or, or on an off chance that they're able to speak directly tells her him how 
he's able to get she's able to share the food with other people and he's like no don't do that like this is about survival if they had they wouldn't share with you so like keep that for yourself and make sure that you survive which is also interesting because he's pretty um he shares a lot whatever he has he definitely shares but i guess he's so invested in anya's survival that he's like no you don't share anything (laughs) yeah no (laughs) absolutely i think if um Anya's diaries had been found, there might be a slight adjustment to how Anya's character is portrayed because you'd have that first person account. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the comic is for the most part like 99.99999% incredibly honest. Uh, mm-hmm. because of the way art portrays himself, because of the way art portrays his father, but because all of Anya's story, with the one exception of the reprint of the comic art made of his mother's suicide, the rest of her story comes from his father telling the story of his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so loving he just loves her so much mm-hmm. that it's it's not her words it's not her experience herself so it's not really an honest portrayal of huh. his mother um it, it's you know we talked about not canonizing um the experience but for his mother's character character yeah she is kind of a character she's less of a person and i hate to say that but no no but she's to, definitely to a certain extent she is dimensional than everybody right. else in the mm-hmm. book she's exactly. very much this memory he's made he's he doesn't want her to be who yeah. she was he wants her to be who he remember who he remembers yes that's why he's destroyed all of this stuff yeah because and- she was obviously really sad she was depressed and, and he doesn't want her to be remembered that way. He has crafted this narrative about her. And I completely understand that. Everybody does after somebody they love dies. They want to remember the best things about them. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Totally understandable. But if we had her narrative, her first person narrative uh, from the diaries, I, I kind of think it would be a different story. Uh, because it would be a different story of her her character herself whereas right now it's it's it, it has to be a little bit rose-colored about yeah that, i don't know necessarily about their relationship but certainly about her herself exactly because i mean yeah you're right yeah you make me definitely rethink my position you're definitely right about <laughs> that like no yeah you're a hundred percent right because she is basically what we know about Anya beautiful girl very sweet and very frail that's basically all the context we get for her also that she committed suicide that's it so definitely it does change the story the more that we get of her own perspective about herself and also her relationship with Vladik and you know what's going on around them because again now that you're making me think about it and how rose-colored and Pollyanna Pollyanna it is he really loves Anya but like we don't know if he completely treated Anya different than he uh, treats Mala we yeah. assume mm-hmm. that he does exactly and and there's you know I mean obviously there's mental health and you know there's things that you can't control with with your mental health um 
and that just come naturally. But you know, there there is a reason why Anya had decided to do the thing and, and take take her life. And and you're not gonna get you're not gonna get that info from Vladek, you know, like of why she did it. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that really I hate to say this out loud, but I'm gonna say it out loud. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me about my grandparents. Um my yeah. Uh my grandpa always said how much he loved my grandmother. And maybe he did. Maybe they loved each other very much, but he always treated her really weird. It was always a really weird relationship. And it was like, I wonder, you know, I I just wonder how they think they're treating each other. Like from the outside, from me looking at it, it was always just so awkward. And so it's like, I I just, I would have liked art. I would have liked to have seen those diaries. I would have liked Mm to, I, I, I would have liked to have seen it too. You know, it's not that I'm saying the book's not good. The book's no, amazing. The it's book's it's yeah, perfect the way it, it is. It, exactly. It's yeah. it's that mystery. It's that who was this character? Who was this person? Because because that that one page that Art drew, that experience that Art has of his yeah. mother, like the character he draws of who his mother was, and that impression she left on him is a completely different person exactly. than Art sh- than than his father showing us throughout that history. I think our wanting of more is, is is a testament of how much how great this book is. You know, we you know mm-hmm. we got this this great and perfect narrative, but like but like give us more, get you know make Anya more of a character because we want to know more. You know, give us more, please. You know, like even yeah. though it's a it's it's a horrible subject to talk about, it's like we want we want it because it's, yeah. it's written so well, it's narrated so well, and it becomes so relatable. Um, also, I'm thinking to myself just as we're talking about it, we are looking at it at a, as a very 2022 perspective or people yes. that grew up in the 90s perspective because the majority of this was written in the 70s and late 70s, early 80s, or early to late 80s. Absolutely. And um, think about it this way, like, I, I don't know exactly when that changed, but like, like um, reading the book, I didn't like I don't think I enjoyed Mala as much as um, as Darcy did because part of the what I didn't like about her is that as bad as Vladik is to her, their their relationship seemed to be purely transactional. She yeah. was there for money and security. security. As a, she's like, oh, I'm willing to deal with all this crap because like I'll have a roof over my head, I'll have an inheritance, like. And I'll deal with all this dude's BS. How and like so it may it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because Art is I don't know if Monster's too strong, but he's terrible to her. Like there's no there's no excuse. It's it's unequivocal. He's he cheats treats her very very poorly. However, like I never I I felt like I had less empathy for because I was just like, but you know why you're here? Like you're you're dealing with this BS because you're like there there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But then I'm thinking that's a 2022 perspective, whereas this is a woman who grew up in the 30s where she wasn't necessarily able to or expected to have a career independent of the Holocaust. And then we're talking about they're having these discussions in the 70s where it's like she could have get her own credit card if she wanted. Plus, she's an older woman. So it's not like like I'm like, oh, like in my head, part of the perspective is like, oh, go get a, you know, 
go be independent woman the way that a woman would do it in 2022. And it's just like, oh, that wasn't a thing 50 years ago, Richard. You yeah. have to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't also, even like, get her own credit card. I always forget exactly. that. that. And then oh. like when we're asking for more about Anya or more about um, or more about Mala, it's like, oh yeah, like not to cast any aspersions, but yeah, we didn't care about a woman's story. Like this is an yeah. error. This was written in an era where it's not only it was like, oh, it wasn't done but also it's like no one was clamoring for that like women may not have been necessarily been clamoring for that because that wasn't the culture of the time as wrong as it may be and they weren't the market for readers and, mm-hmm. right <laughs> it was like hey you want to hear about this man's struggle through the holocaust and it's like yeah that's the book that get, gets greenlit <laughs> yep. yeah absolutely good point yeah very good point um now, as for really quick about his experiences, um, I, I mean, I hate the word, <laughs> like, to use the word, like, but, like, we're fortunate, I guess, as readers, you know, that of, of a lot of experiences um, are so vast and, and diverse, because we're getting, we're getting so much of all the stories of the Holocaust from one person. You know, we're getting being a PO, a POW in the Polish army. We're getting living in the ghetto. We're getting hiding in, you know, in attics and cellars. We're getting, you know, Auschwitz. We're getting Dachau. You know, I mean, like we're, we're getting a lot of, of, of the stories from one person. And so that also, I mean, I guess, I mean, that's what also makes this story really important because I mean, I mean, I guess saying fortunate is not correct because obviously we don't want anything like that to happen to anybody. And that's why we're reading about it so that it doesn't happen again. But like we're, we get a primary source that went through so much and it's, and it's so great to hear this one narrative go through all those things. So we kind of become attuned to what the narrative is, where the narrative is coming from. So therefore then when we're going through Auschwitz and we're going through the ghetto and going through Dachau, we can be like, Oh yeah, this is how he would act. This is how he would be during that. Mm-hmm. Always be hustling, but still, <laughs> you know, he's definitely um, yeah. It was nice to have that one narrative through all those, those travesties. No, definitely. And to your point, Brian, one of the things that kind of blew me away as like we're reading this book as uh, Mouse being a known quantity is that when I read the first volume and he goes through so much, we're not even to the concentration camps yet. Like the first volume of the book is just um, normal life, you know, conscription of war, POW, ghetto. Like he, they they don't even, you know, the second book is, uh, I, I, Gosh, it, I'm blanking for a second. Oh yeah, here, here, and here, my troubles began because to him, that first book and everything, hiding in attics, you know, being ghettoized, being a POW, that was the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that was still freedom somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that was that was cake compared to what exactly happened in the exactly. second, you know, the second volume of the book when he gets to the actual concentration camp. Even you know, in the concentration camp, he has like that freedom with, you know, because he got, he was fortunate because he, he was always hustling and he was always learning that he was able to, to become like a translator and help somebody right. you know, help, help, help a, a, Pol- a non-Jewish Polish person. A teacher. You know, he was yeah, a language teacher. 
Yeah. Yeah. Basically, what a what a, like they called it a kappa, but like uh the Polish gentleman that was there and basically you know was in charge of the other prisoners to get work done. Even he was getting used, and he was like, "Hey, we may lose this war, so I need to learn English just in case." And then he sought out any Jew that knew English. Vladik was that person and was able to secure himself a much more comfortable position in the camp by teaching English to someone who was literally there to beat and oppress him. (laughs) And the fact that he had the confidence in himself, you know, to step up, because I don't know, you know, even if I knew the language the person wanted to learn. I, and in that situation, I'd probably just still keep my mouth shut and be like, no. Well, like, no. Isn't there a scene anyone, like that where they ask once and he, he doesn't he say that no. he knows English? And yeah. then the second time around, he was just like, all right, I'm going to volunteer. Because, because and exactly. And at that, at that time, who knows what would have happened to him for volunteering? Right. With the mean, consequences. The last thing, you, last thing you want to do is stick out in the concentration camp, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know. Indeed. You, yeah. So yeah, you just want you kind of want to. I imagine you just want to kind of be part of the the masses. So the fact that he had the courage to step up too—that's a real good sign of like his character. You know, like like how how good of a character he is. And one of the things that makes this flawed character um, lovable isn't exactly the word, but what what makes him feel heroic is how industrious he is because he's always like all right, I'm in a crap situation. How can I make this work for me? Every time that he's in a position where he's there to pick up a new skill, he's like, hey, let me learn this thing because it may be useful later. Because as I'm reading the book, I'm like, oh, I would have I would have died immediately in this circumstance. I'm someone yeah. that works hard, that has a variety of skills. But between the anxiety, between, like you said, not wanting to volunteer because I'm scared of, like, he just had this he clawed at survival in a way and you know was planning for survival in a way that like it's no it's no coincidence that that type of person survives you know circumstances you know the randomness like he could have been he could have lived life exactly as he did and died immediately anyhow but like you totally get how someone who's that industrious you know, that like he's a polyglot, he knows multiple languages and he's using every asset of his being to keep himself alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't think I would have been able to do any of that. Actually. Yeah, I, I've come to terms a long time ago that I'm a, a day one, maybe day two casualty if there's ever an apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm not getting, I'm legally blind without my glasses. Um, I have a lot of other health issues. There's, I'm not getting that far <laughs> if there's like something like zombies or, or something else <laughs> happening, you know, like, I'm, you know, so you get out of there. That, yeah. When he was a kid, um, correct me if I'm wrong. When he was a kid, he had that first conscription in the Russian military, right? Um, was that was him Russian? or was that his dad? Who, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, his dad was in the Russian military. That's why he didn't want um, his sons to didn't go want in the him military. to be. But so Vladi he like he had he had to go through basically all this stuff when he was a child, mm-hmm. uh, the starvation and and all that preparation and all that hardship. Because so, his dad his dad would have been in World War One. Right, exactly. So, like, there's something to be said about the fact that he, he 
kind of knew what it was to suffer and knew Mm. what it was to save. Like we were saying at the very beginning, like there were some skills that he already had going in, not just like the language skills and like the, the talent for like, he knew how to, he knew how to repair shoes. And that was a good thing that got him an interior job for a while so that he could Mm be warm and safe. And it got him sausage. Mm -hmm. Um, but just like he, he had some preparation, um, for, for stress, you know, for anxiety, for, for, he, he knew some aspect of suffering in a way that like maybe some people around him didn't. Um, and that might have helped because like, like you're saying, I, 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 I don't really i've had hard times but nothing like that right and, and when you like like you're saying second day i'm out <laughs> um i i'm heavy into sports and like one of the uh, uh sports commentators that i i i'm a fan of he uh bobani jones he always has to say that like some players have a uh they, they have a can't go back attitude where the struggles of where they're from originally were so dire that like this person is going to claw and like right. scrape to make it to the NFL, yeah. the NBA, because where I'm from is so bad, I can't go back. Right, <laughs> and exactly. Like, like There's saying, no, there is no going Lord's back. His origin story, the stuff that he learned from his father is just like, oh yeah, now we can't do that again. So. Yeah, he was like, he's like, I'm not spending a year not eating again. That was awful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he obviously had to I, with the Holocaust, but he's like, I've done this. I'm going to fight not ever to do this again. Mm-hmm. I think he used also his ingenuity and his and you know and his heart in his work ethic it was was way he did cope with things so i think that also kind of brings it to why he's such a pain at, at, you know in his elder years because he no longer has that coping mechanism of being able to just go out and fix and do stuff hmm. you know so i think that's also a, a reason why he's such a pain in the ass as, as a, someone elder as an elderly person but a little bit of a charming pain in the ass. Yeah, he, yeah, and and the love, like you, we were mentioning before, the, you know, like the, the second, you know, he, he's almost having a heart attack because he's walking too hard, you know, talking to his to his son, but he's just like, oh no, I don't care, I love, I just love talking to you, like you know, like you almost put me in the hospital right now, but <laughs> but like or like when he was on the exercise bike too long because he was telling his story, it's it, it's it's not just because he's telling the story, it's because he loves his son so much, and there mm-hmm. in, in there's. And and this is definitely a flawed and and person, but you can't you know his heart is huge and that's mm-hmm. that and that's one of the things I think that keeps him alive because he's able to bring people in and he's able to 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 also kind of like help other people and in a way you know create a community and and, and then you all help each other out to get through stuff. Yeah, and I, I mean, part of that skill of survival to the point you're making, with uh, Darcy, throughout the whole narrative, past and present, he is consistently a charmer. Like, yes. even to people, like, to people that that he grates on, that they're like, oh, he's hard to deal with, they still find him charming. Like, when uh, when Art speaks to his neighbors up in the Catskills, like, yeah. they, they're like, hey, what are you going to do for your dad? Because they definitely care about him, but they get that he's like, an insufferable prick like you yeah they're, they're not the gonna day. do it <laughs> but yeah, right but, right they're, they they everyone that seems like when when you see him <laughs> as an older man everyone that is frustrated by him is still like he has like a magnetic personality that 
draws people to him. Mm-hmm. And then in his younger years, you know, pre-war, you see that like everyone he meets, like he has a little mini scandal because he has a, when he meets Anya, uh, Art's mother, he actually has a, gr- uh, a girlfriend that he's sleeping with. And when they start the relationship, they're still like messing around. And then the girlfriend sends a letter exposing all this. And he's able to essentially charm his way out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for lack of a better term. And not Lies with, Anya, teeth. With, <laughs> with Anya's family, but it works. But like everywhere he goes, he's he had like charm is a skill. As if yeah. it was like D or something. Charm <laughs> is a skill. And he, his charm is very high. He rolled a nat 20 on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. No, um, yeah, no, and also I heard that he's he was quite handsome as, as a younger kid. As a young no, no, adult. Yeah, yes, he, he reiterates yeah. that all through the narrative. Yeah. And then towards the end of the uh, second volume, there's a picture of him as a young man. And he's a good looking dude. Yeah, yeah he's exactly. a good looking guy. Yeah. So he wasn't lying there. Um, but and but, a yeah. part of the story that we don't talk about is art is also um, has a is in a little competition with the ghost because prior to the uh, to the or during the occupation, his parents, he has an older brother who dies, you know, during the war. And basically part of the story is that Art is constantly like, or it, it seems as though Art, it's never said explicitly, but he's constantly battling the memory of his brother that he's never, you know, who's not alive and he's never met. Yeah, you can't, it's hard to compete with a ghost. Yes. And, and he's definitely doing that. Mm-hmm. Risha, who's also, they have a picture of him in there, also adorable. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> right in the beginning of, of volume two there. Yeah. So yeah, those are really like the two pictures that you get in this whole thing. <laughs> so um, but yeah, um I mean it's just it's it's such an impactful book, even past the Holocaust thing, like like we were saying, it's you know, you know, we could we could just talk about the relate, you know, the the father son relationship, you know, for hours, and and not even like touch on the Holocaust, and obviously the yeah. Holocaust is is it's is also equally important, um, or more important rather. Maybe more so. Maybe more so. I was just I was just saying in this in the story story wise, you know, like we're you know like no, definitely that that's the I think um maybe we we spent a lot of time speaking about the relationship, but like the bulk of the book is the occupation, the Holocaust. And this is not, this is a book that it's not particularly graphic. It's graphic at times as far as showing death and and whatnot. Like there's some scenes that are really going to stick with you. But even when it's not graphic, what it is is that you can tell the brutality. Like it's so well, like, what am I trying to say? It's more tell than show. But being that you know these are real events and real things that happen, the brutality (laughs) isn't lost upon you, even though it doesn't have, like, the gore of a modern comic. Like, it's not showing you all the blood and guts, but you you are definitely able to uh, um, interpret all the blood, all the guts, all the death that's around. When they're they're hiding in sheds and attics, when they're, you know, in the dirt in someone's cellar, you can feel, like, the griminess of it, even though you know, the art style is like depicting all of that. Yeah. And I just feel like there you can always feel the constant despair, the constant existential dread. Like once they start talking about like the occupation, there's a constant like um, 
a feeling of, oh, another shoe's about to drop soon. And then once that shoe drops, it's like, oh, now they're ghettoized. But another shoe is ready to drop at some point. And even though the art is cute, uh, you know, those chapter headings with the mice screaming and on fire, it's still pretty harrowing. It's not not as graphic as it would have been if art drew them as people. Mm -hmm. So it does take the edge um, off. Even the uh, the art style that he uses for that comic about his mother is that uh, mother suicide. It's so much yeah. more graphic. Yeah, and it's like, oh, he could have gone that route, but he uses this these caricature, you know, these cartoony caricatures. But you still feel the brutality without seeing the grotesqueness. Absolutely, it, it makes it like like we were saying. You can definitely read this at a younger age, and maybe you should read it at a younger age. It's a good thing to read earlier mm-hmm. um it, it's it might be a good way to absorb this earlier i don't think there's i mean there's some language but good lord you've got children on the internet there <laughs> have language yeah. there, yeah, there's no there's no curse word and... that you're yeah i think there's yeah. a goddamn in there somewhere really there, there's no curse word your child hasn't heard congratulations <laughs> i'm sorry um <laughs> and and I, th- I think the hardest thing visually to look at in there is probably the mom's suicide mm-hmm. um, comic. That, that, that was pretty hard to look but, at. That-, that is hard. And then um, when, when they finally get, when he finally gets to the point where he's talking about the, 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 the gas chambers and the, the crematorium, there are like piles of bodies where it's just like yeah like yeah. even though that they're like cutesy mouse bodies it, it it's yeah. very affecting he, he recreates and, and, the inter- inside of those gas chambers too and yeah just, yeah but they're yeah it's it's hard but like if compared to if they were i don't know just it, it Dude, wasn't yeah, no, if they were no no if he's using the art style from his uh from that comic about his mother, like, yes, I'd be sick right. to my stomach more like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right, really, right. I think it's really interesting that that comic, like, affected you all like that, because it did it for me. Like, it I was actually hard for me. I actually found, I thought the comic was really good, like, that little, like, one about his mom, and I thought it was a difficult read, but I found the, um, with, I, I find the animal characters harder to like see yeah okay. i i don't know maybe it's because i'm dead inside but um <laughs> but yeah like it's uh i don't so think that I would make you dead inside like animal characters making you sad doesn't make you dead inside i i was very like sad for them and i don't know why maybe maybe because it was something cute in something that's very um like just traumatic and very like to me like the holocaust is very disgusting so yeah, to see well, animals hot like, take yeah hot take <laughs> but i mean to see like cute little characters like that it really that really bothered me because i think it's the dichotomy of like really yeah. cutesy things with something like so evil it's like watership down you know like, yeah, watership I, down i refuse to watch or read or whatever watership down whatever that is i refuse to do watch it. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Is it based yeah. on anything? It was based on a book. But, yeah, but, the book. Yeah, yeah. That, book. A, that animation. Oh my god, <laughs> that's terrible. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, 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 no. And I mean, and and to speak to everybody's point, um, I was so fucked up by the first volume. I did. I refused to read volume two. 
it's not because <laughs> it's not important and it's not because it's not good. I'm just not in a good um, frame of Space. mind to continue reading it. And I'll probably, you know, maybe this time next year I'll be okay. And that's a good warning to everybody. I mean, like, obviously this needs to be read, but you have to make sure you're in the right headspace. I mean, when you do read it. Um, also, yeah, it's it's heavy subject matter presented in a more palatable way, but like you, the, the the heaviness of the subject matter is never lost on. Me. And then there's moments like we were just saying where all of a sudden it becomes a lot more brutal. Um, I think that the the panel for me is towards the beginning of volume two when he's when Art's dealing with like the success of the of the first volume and what that mm-hmm. means to him. And there and like there's the, the small panels. And then it starts showing flies around him. And then all of a sudden, there's mm-hmm. a, it goes yeah. back. And then there's just a pile of dead bodies around him. As in, like, yeah. those, are, those are the piles mm-hmm. that he's benefiting, you know, profiting from because he's writing a book mm-hmm. that he's making money off of, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I can understand that guilt. And like, and just seeing that, just it just really bothered me. And <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's why it's there is to bother us. You know? It was very no, evocative. Yeah, that whole section was my favorite part of the book. That, and then just after that is when he goes to speak to his psychiatrist. But, yes. like, it, it, it felt so real. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, no. This, like, this is what it's like to be a real person. This is what it's like to make complex art. This is what it's like to feel guilty about it. This is what it feels like to be profiting off, like, the darkest moments of history. And, yeah. like, he was showing the reality of him as an artist working through that. Mm-hmm. which is amazing because you don't even really get that ever you know i mean it's it's rare when 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 someone can write about themselves so honestly i mean yeah no the, again it speaks to the honesty of the book it's like i i, I would hope in my heart of hearts that if i ever had a project like this i could be that honest but like no i, I i'm my yeah. vanity wants me to you know portray myself a little bit more favorably than that and like it's kind of shocking how brutally honest he is about his, himself and his father. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I mean, and, and, and there's some valor there too, you know, because like I, I don't think this, uh, I don't think the message would would co- come through as much as it does if if there was you know some san- you know sanitation taken, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, and censoring. You know, like, like if, like, oh, you know, my perfect, my perfect dad who got through Holocaust, but look how great he is. Like, you know, he's everyone loves him. Everyone's like, he's nice to everyone. He's definitely not going into the supermarket with with half-eaten boxes of cereal trying to return them. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, like he definitely, you know. But that's, but that's the whole point. Like we were saying earlier, is just the you know, you got to humanize, you know, because especially in the fact that he's using, you know, animals. He definitely in the in the writing itself needs to really humanize everybody, so you know what's going on. You know, so it would be interesting to see completely and utterly arbitrary uh, hypothetical. It would be interesting to see those tapes done from somebody else's perspective, almost. Yes. Like, because because it's incredibly honest and co- incredibly straightforward, but there's no way you can go into it without your own biases towards your own father. So it would be interesting to see because it's not every second of everything he said. Like, what did? Why did he choose what he chose? What did he leave out? I wonder. 
Yeah, maybe he did. Interesting. Maybe he did put himself oh, in yeah. a good light. <laughs> I maybe. I mean, yeah, no, it'd be fascinating to put like just have those tapes on Audible and let you know the listener right. digest listen, them for themselves and listen to him tell his own story, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and um, one of the things too, I was thinking um, that scene that you were talking about, Brian, with like you know people are like, "Hey, let's make Mouse in the cartoon." And Art Spiegelman has long since, like, he's like, I like, no, I'm not trying to exploit this and profit this. But now that we live in an era where, like, no, you can make completely high end quality, high caliber um, TV, Netflix type of shows, you know, with, you know, less interference from studios, like, it might be better for him, or not better, but good for him to put this on as far as a TV show, miniseries, streaming series now, maybe it, you know, increases the reach because I feel like if this is made into the, in the 80s, 90s, like you can't, like, there's no way that this is properly adapted, but at least in this current era, I feel like there's a better chance of it being adapted. And, you know, for what it's worth, people don't read. So you might get it, you know, to a wider audience yeah. that way. Absolutely. And he could probably keep his rights better. He yeah. Have been well, able uh, to. Yes, that too. Absolutely. Exactly. But I wonder, yeah. too, if there's this, you know, internal conflict where he was already what how he felt like profiting off of like the, yeah. you know, the Holocaust. And so at what point? I don't know, like, at what point are you being exploitative? I, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, how like when, I, when does it stop being educational? When does it start being yes. exploitative? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, I donate just, all I the proceeds. That, Mm-hmm. also true but, but that's also very unrealistic to me because he you know to, to donate all the proceeds to something. yeah but uh, i yeah. mean i totally you're get right that. i totally i no, i i 100 get that and obviously obviously he feels that i mean that first page yeah. of the second volume obviously he feels that obviously that has impact obviously it's something he struggles with and uh, you should you should mm-hmm. worry about how exploitative you're being of other people's stories and other mm-hmm. people's pain 100 percent. but at the same time everything we talked about at the top of this discussion people aren't learning yeah so mm-hmm. you, you got to get that education in front of their eyeballs exactly, exactly. it's like it, it's a, is it exploitation or are you just beating people where they are at this point it's like yeah oh, okay. like i need you to know about the holocaust and you know where you're at you're on youtube so let me put this on youtube or you're on netflix let me put this on netflix because <laughs> the information is that important yeah, or he needs to make 500 TikTok videos. <laughs> there we go. Mouse TikTok the, videos. As, as TikTok videos. Is, oh, God. I don't want to see. I mean, um, but um, no, and I totally agree with you, Richard, because the thing is, too, is that, um, and as we had said earlier, we're losing primary sources. And um, I think uh, uh, this week is the is the 30th, no, 20th anniversary of the last person who um, who was, you know, in World War One had passed away, you know, like they weren't a co- they weren't a combatant, they were a nurse, but but still, the the last person. I'm sorry, they say World War Two. I meant World War One. No, week, no, you said World War One. Oh, I did say World War One. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that was only 25 years before World War Two, and we're 20 years past that. So we have about like maybe five or six years at the most where we still have primary sources from people who were in the Holocaust or people who were in World War II that fought or were, you know, kind of helping out the troops at the time. So this is this is the time 
you know, like where we do need to get these these stories from primary sources out to the masses, you know, to to on Netflix, on you know, whatever, you know, like let's let let's do it, you know, and like let's let's make it great animation so people want to watch it and you know, and 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 have them learn something, and hopefully it won't happen again. The benefit is that, you know, that's that's projects that they have been working on for a long time. I mean, yeah. museums and stuff, they have been gathering that information. They've done a pretty good job with it. So it they've done a pretty good job getting that record together. And there are records of that. It's just people don't go to museums. They're, yeah, they're, taking, it, they're taking it out of history it, books. They're they're the and I'm I, I'm so sorry. I'm from Texas. Um, it's our fault. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we run the Texas textbook cabal or whatever it is that that stops textbooks from having decent everything. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's something that's of real concern. So all that information is out there. It's gathered. There probably is more that can be done, but it just needs to be like put in front of people's eyeballs to, to kind of, yeah exactly to kind of put everything you know for you know kind of put a button on and, and loop everything around for, to the beginning um you know like the whole you know it took a fictional show like watchmen to for people to learn about like the tulsa race massacre and you know it's like that that is nowadays it seems like that's the way to reach people is is through fiction and nonfiction on tv and movies and so that that is what we need to do it sounds like you know not 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 like a history channel show but like you know something entertaining that it's you know edutainment i guess (laughs) you know something like that yeah god willing because i don't want it to keep getting worse no you know yeah definitely not and and it's unfortunately it's people our age Mm-hmm. Are, are one of the huge drivers because it's people our age with kids in school wards making the shit worse. Right, right, right. Kind of yeah, no, sucks. At the age now where it's like, yeah, people our age are at the levels or uh, levers of power, and yeah, they're making things worse. Yeah, it's. I I read something, and I'm probably gonna butcher it, but it's like when 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 you read about someone wanting to ban a book, you look at what what the content is that they're trying to ban and what type of people are trying to ban it and you know then that's that that's important i right think there. that's very poignant yeah so um well any any final thoughts i think we're about ready to, to kind of wrap this all up if unless you have anything else no just please if you have the opportunity read mouse like Yes, it's important, but as much as it's important, it's very, very good. I mean, it is difficult. I'm not you can't sugarcoat that. Like, you want to be in the right headspace that when you read it. But like, uh, as Darcy was saying, someone was saying, or maybe it was Carrie. Sorry, but read. You know, it's good. Maybe read it while you're young. Help it form your perspective, and it, it just helps you respect people's humanity. Like, again, I, I, again, I mean, we've harped on this a lot, but the fact that Vladik isn't this, you know, saintly character, but yeah, he still, de- he deserves his dignity. He deserves mm-hmm. his humanity mm-hmm. just as a person. It does, like, you don't have to be like, one of the things as like a, a black person in this country that lament, it's like, oh, 
they they uh they they sanitized Martin Luther King in a way that like oh yeah well this was the perfect guy so like yeah we like we have to he gets the holiday and you have to listen to him and it's just like no <laughs> he was he was always nonviolent he never did anything yeah, right right and, and a lot of it isn't true it's a lot of it is uh you know right. you know rewritten you know some Pollyanna nonsense <laughs> but you dehumanize him essentially yeah you dehuman you you try to make him more saintly you dehumanize him and like the fact that you get all this actual good information and mouse and then, but while the character is flawed, and it just shows you that, like, yeah, like everyone deserves their humanity. It's not just the people that you like, not the people that you think are good people. Everyone deserves their humanity in all circumstances. Exactly. You know, and I, I think that's like the, the lesson of the book. Absolutely, and let, let them let them be judged on the character, not judged on what they are, things that they can't control. Yeah. You know, so, but all right. Well, I think that might be it for them right now. If you guys don't mind, I think we'll go ahead and put a, a nail on this this conversation for the time being. Um, so yeah, let's watch our analogies there, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, oh <No> shit! <laughs> okay, let's let's go ahead and uh, call it. A, no, a just let's keep going. <laughs> so we have reached the uh, end of our show then. Uh, thank you everyone again for listening to us uh, and email us any questions or comments at comics or better at gmail.com. Instagram and Twitter is at CDB pod. Good pods as well as at CDB pod and uh, website is comicsdeserbetter.wordpress.com where you can request a subject for a future show. And Darcy, where can we find you on the internet? I am at books underscore serial. Sorry, I almost forgot that. Um, and booksandserial.wordpress.com. Um, I am hopefully going to finish my Charlie Chan thing because I took vacation last week and did nothing but sleep. So I didn't I didn't do that. <laughs> but I said I was going to do last week. <laughs> Sleep's excellent. Sleep. I love sleeping. I want more sleep. No, I want- no qualms with that. <laughs> I want food first, but I want sweet sleep second. <laughs> right now. Um, and Richard, where can we find you? Um, I'm at TopCat360 on basically all social media because when you nail your screen name at age 13 in yes. 1997, there's no <laughs> need to change. Absolutely. Again, can we not with those dates? <laughs> and, and Top Cat is was like one of the coolest cartoons like growing up. Too. It was literally the cartoon that was on when I was signing up my AOL. <laughs> I love that. Nice. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, I feel like AOL is the same thing as Darcy not why saying 1997. Yeah. <laughs> it puts too good of a timestamp. Uh, our, our last recording, I mentioned I had a GeoCities account. So, you know. This is also I true. had Angel Fire. Oh, Angel Fire. <laughs> Yes, uh, ma'am. So, like, shout out to Angel Fire because when people yep. get nostalgic, they always mention GeoCities, but Angel yep. Fire was right Angel Fire was better. Fight. I had a blog when I was in the seventh grade, being all angsty and shit. I'm gonna restart one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, really quick, speaking of age, Richard, I thought you were older than me just because you seem to have all your shit together versus the way I run my life. I was like, oh, Richard's got to be like a couple years older than me. He's like so put together, and it makes me happy slash sad that I'm older than you. But yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, just just 
be happy that I have none of my shit together. And <laughs> you, <laughs> well, yeah, this I'll... is a, a little sleight of hand that you're seeing here. <laughs> that's all. That's all we have going right now. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm the senior citizen of this uh, of this podcast, and I definitely don't have my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, oh. um, you can find me at Bryjan2814 on Twitter and Bryjan underscore CV on Instagram. And so for Darcy, Richard, and Carrie, I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Are Better podcast. And remember, comics are better and everyone deserves comics. Thank you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye again. And where's the stop button? There it is. Oh, I missed it.